Even in a testing situation like this, he remained fairly positive, humming an upbeat pop tune under his breath. Our foolish plan to keep walking aimlessly and hope that we would arrive where we needed to was brought to an abrupt halt by a large stone wall that gated what appeared to be a community behind it. Well, looks like we can't walk further, I said, pointing out the obvious. Let's turn back. Oliver, instead, walked along the edge of the gate. Look here, Sid, Oliver called to me. There's a door. Where? Kara asked as she followed the disruptions in the mist to where he was standing. I went after her and saw the door that Oliver had been so excited about. It's locked, Oliver announced. For good reason, probably, I told him. But, as usual, he paid me no mind, and he lodged his entire weight against the feeble metal barricade. His healthy frame banged against the iron lock, which grew weaker with each impact. Chapter 2 "'What are you doing?' I cried out. "'You're going to get us in trouble!' "'Come on, help me,' he said. "'There might be a phone inside one of the houses that we can use.' I doubt that anyone would let a group of strangers use their phone at one in the morning, I reminded him. Still, it wouldn't hurt to try, Oliver persisted. This won Kara over and she added her weight against the door. I realized that they were not going to be convinced otherwise, so I joined them. I could not have known then that with each ram we were nearing certain disaster. Locks are not meant to be broken, both to keep out the outside and also to conceal what is within. But as soon as I pushed alongside them, the rusted bolt that held the frame in place snapped in two and the door swung open. We breathed heavily and crossed the threshold past the gateway. An unexpected darkness took over and the protective flare of the streetlights was with us no more. I had thought that there would be a commune of homes behind the stone barricade, but I was surprised to see only one building standing in the center of a sparse clearing. Just like the dead night, this hidden sector seemed to show no noticeable signs of life. However, I spotted a soft green light being emitted from one of the windows of the house. Kara and Oliver had observed this as well, and they began walking toward the light, like minnows caught prey by the glowing esca of an anglerfish. But I had not known then. I had no idea. Nearing the house, which I now saw was more a manor, I became aware of its worn-down state. Shingles hung down from the roof in disarray, and the wood that formed the majority of the structure was splintered and swollen. The pathway to the main door was paved over in rocks that were haphazardly cut, and weathered statues outlined the perimeter of the clearing, but they were so disfigured and aged that it was impossible to tell what they were supposed to represent. An old porch was elevated above the ground with cinder blocks, but the wooden base drooped down in a melancholy fashion and all along the sides and front of the home grew vines of snake-like ivy, dark and reptilian in their forms. As we stared in awe at the strangeness of the structure, the moisture that was suspended in an ambient fog concentrated into droplets, and soon the sky let down a torrential downpour. Kara attempted to block the rain with her arms, and Oliver pulled his shirt over his head, but soon we were veritably drenched. "'We have to get inside,' Oliver said. "'Here?' I asked." nervously considering who may reside in a place as menacing as this. We don't have a choice, Kara added. It'll just be until the storm clears up. I did not argue further, and, looking back, I wish I had.